Good morning. Welcome to worship at First Presbyterian Church of Columbus, Georgia. We're glad that you're here to join us as we worship God by offering our prayers and singing songs and listening to scripture. Please come in with us that we may worship God together. First lesson today comes from Genesis 28, and this is beginning in the 10th verse. As we learn in the message that Jacob, the bit of the scoundrel, has escaped his brother's Esau wrath, and we catch him while he's on the run, beginning in verse 10. Listen now to the word of God. Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran, and he came to a certain place and stayed there for the night, because the sun had set. And taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place. And he dreamed that there was a ladder set up on the earth, the top of it reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And the Lord stood beside him and said, I am the Lord God, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. And the land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring. And your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth. And you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And all the families of the earth shall be blessed in you and in your offspring. Know that I am with you and will keep you wherever you go. And will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. And then Jacob woke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven." So Jacob rose early in the morning, and he took the stone that he had put under his head and set it up for a pillar and poured oil on the top of it. And he called the place Bethel, but the name of the city was Luz at the first. And then Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear, so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God and this stone which I have set up for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will surely give one-tenth to you. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. As we continue to walk with Jesus, let us listen to Scripture, this encounter from the 20th chapter of Luke, as Jesus interacts with some in the community that day. Some Sadducees, those who say there is no resurrection, call, came to Jesus and they asked him a question. Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies, leaving a wife but no children, the man shall marry the widow and raise the children up for his brother. Now, there were seven brothers. The first married and died childless, and then the second brother married and then the third, 
And so it came that all seven died childless. Finally, the woman also died. In the resurrection, therefore, whose wife will this woman be? For the seven have married her. Jesus said to them, Those who belong to this age marry and are given in marriage, but those who are considered worthy of a place in the age in the resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage. Indeed, they cannot be dead anymore because they are like angels and are children of God, being children of the resurrection. And the fact that the dead are raised, Moses himself showed in the story about the bush where he speaks of the Lord, of the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Now he is God, not of the dead, but of the living. For to him, all of them are alive. This is the word of the Lord. Questions are important, no doubt about it. They help us explore information and give us ways of check, checking on things. It has been said that there is no such thing as a stupid question, and I think that is certainly true. But I have to wonder, or I have, to, I have experienced, that there are sometimes answers that are not very helpful. Now, notice I didn't say there's no such thing as a stupid answer. But sometimes you have to kind of wonder. Answers are given in such a way that they can help create and promote a, a conversation and a dialogue. They can provide information. They can clarify. They can help relieve anxiety. Or sometimes answers are given to questions that simply have us chasing our tails like the dog running around the backyard. I'll acknowledge that there is no doubt from time to time I probably have answered people in such a way that they felt like they were chasing their tails. And I do not, maybe you have done the same as well. But I know, I know it is preferable in all times to give answers that provide clarity and direction and hope ultimately. Today I want to consider three questions that rise up from the Scriptures. The first is from Jesus' encounter with some of the religious leaders of His day. The question is set up almost to demand a tail-chasing response. There is this question about marriage. They ask, how does marriage work in eternity? They're really not asking about marriage. They're asking about something beyond, the life, life beyond. But they ask, how does it work? We have this law, and it says if a man dies and has no children, his brother marries the widow, and so forth and so on. So what if, Jesus, we'll give you this hypothetical. What if there were seven brothers, and they all married the same woman, and they all died without children? When we get there, when we get to the resurrection, whose wife shall... Shall, shall she be? You can almost see the crowd thinking that maybe this is one of those gotcha moments, but Jesus doesn't bite. He says, in effect, marriage is important, no doubt about it. It's a big decision. It's a big deal. But marriage is not a matter of salvation. 
I have to think that Jesus' response did not satisfy them. And it may not satisfy us today, but it is the one that is there in Scripture, and we must confront it. Marriage is important. Jesus' point is that what is important on one occasion may not be the most important thing for all time. There are questions to ask. There are answers to seek. And the answers that we find provide ways for us to move forward, either chasing our tails or move into deepening conversations that are meaningful and life-giving. In the fall season of the year, as we are now, many organizations have annual campaigns. No doubt you have been the recipient of information from some of them. And usually the church has the same sort of stewardship campaign. We're not doing our campaign in the fall this year as we've done in the past. We will be doing it in January. Please note, that does not mean you get three months worth of stewardship sermons, okay? I promise. But occasionally I will speak to those issues that are raised from Scripture, and today one of them jumped out at me. A few weeks ago in the disciple Bible study class, we were reading the Genesis section that was read as the Old Testament's reading today. And at the very end of it, there is a question that rises up that spoke to me as Jacob proclaims that he will give a tenth of all he has to God. It raised the question for me, how do I give? What can I learn? The question comes as part of the story of, uh, about Jacob. It's not so much about using financial resources, we think, because most of that story seems to be about taking. Jacob was the twin brother of Esau. They were the children of Isaac and Rebekah. Isaac was the son of Abraham. There had been a promise to Abraham and reconfirmed to Isaac that they would be the father of a great people, a great nation, and that they would fill the earth with their progeny. But for both Abraham and Isaac, they did not have children until they were very old. And then finally, when, when Isaac and Rebekah did become pregnant, when Rebekah was to bear children, she had not one son, but two twins, Esau and Jacob. And Jacob was the younger of the two. But the mother had had this vision recounted in Genesis 25. Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples born of you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other. The elder shall serve the younger. Rebecca acted on her vision. She favored her younger son, Jacob. She arranged for him to receive the blessing that ordinarily the older son would, be, would, would get. The rules of that time and place are not the same as we have now, but there's still in many cases in many families is a presumption that the oldest child will do certain things. And in that situation, the oldest child was expected to receive the blessing, but he did not, and it had great consequences. As things developed, Esau, the older brother, swore that he would kill his younger brother Jacob. So Jacob, with his father's and mother's blessing, 
went away. And this is this dream from, Genesis, from uh, the reading in Genesis 28 is an account of that. J- Jacob is fleeing. He is running away. But as he runs away, he has a dream. He has this vision of a stairway to heaven, of a ramp that opens up where you see the world of God that is all around him. It is a marvelous place. And when he awakes, he calls the place Bethel, the house of God. And he made a vow to himself and to God. If God will stand by me and protect me on my journey, if God will keep me in food and clothing and bring me back in one piece to my father's house, this God will be my God. This stone that I have set up will be a memorial pillar that will mark this place as the place where God lives. And everything that God gives to me, I will return a tenth. One of the challenges in responding to so many of the requests that we have is to decide exactly how we are to respond. Jacob's response gives two important suggestions that I would commend to you. First, Jacob gave his gift because of the grace he felt. We don't have the words exactly as to how he felt, but I I have to think that Jacob may have thought, I could be dead. My brother could kill me, but I am alive, and I am blessed, and I have been given this vision. It is marvelous. I want to give in response to this grace. Jacob gave from gratitude In our giving, be it to the church or be it to other organizations, we need to be guided by this. How does my giving express my gratitude for the wonders of life that I have been given? Secondly, Jacob made a commitment to continue giving. He says, I will keep coming back to this place, this place where I know it is the house of God. The financial advisor, Susie Orman, was speaking to a group of young adults a number of years ago. A young woman rose. It was soon after a horrible disaster. And the woman said, I have a lot of things in my life where I need to get my financial house in order, but I feel compelled to give in response to this disaster. How can I, how can I do that? How can I manage my values and my giving? Susie Orman, the financial advisor, said to her, by giving to others, you become more. She continued, you dig into your heart and you find the right amount for you. It doesn't matter what it is. And you don't simply give because of one disaster. You give every single month somewhere for the rest of your life. Just don't give once. Give for the rest of your life. Wow. Susie Orman was saying that when you give, you honor values that speak to generosity. You want to make the world a better place. And by giving from the ways you have, the substance you have, you are able to help transmit that in the world. I would add that in addition to honoring your own values and wanting to make the world a better place for yourself. When we give in the context of the church, 
we are giving to honor God. And in honoring God, we want to reach out into the world and help the world become changed and transformed by the power of God's grace in the world. <clears throat> Permit me a personal story. As I was growing up, my parents provided me a wonderful example of sharing their time and their energy in the church. But in our household, we didn't talk a whole lot about money. Every household is different, I understand. But in our household, we just didn't do it. And even though I knew that they put something in the offering plate, there wasn't a whole lot of instruction about how you get to do that. I've had to figure that one out myself with the help of the church and actually with, the, with their help now as, as an adult. We hear about the 10%, and that is for many people think of as a very stiff, uh, st steep slope goal to attain, and indeed it is. But I know where I am now is different than where I was as a child. And where I am now is different than where I will be 10 years from now. There have been times in the past when I have come close to giving 10%, but there have been times when I have not. Circumstances interfere. There are all sorts of things that happen in our lives that demand our attention and our resources. And I have always had to live on a salary. So figuring out 10% has always been a relatively easy thing to do. So when I came here to serve you at First Presbyterian Church, I made a decision that I would get as close to that 10% as I could, and I've decided that for next year I will meet it exactly. God has given me the wonder of serving with you in this place, and I count it as a very... Uh, wonderful experience, and it is something for which I am grateful. And so from that gratitude, I want to share that. And I also want to help this community and the world to which the, we are connected through this community be a better place. I want us to be transformed by God's power and God's love. And so I make that choice. My salary is known to you. It's in the annual report of the church, so it's out there. But I do it not for that purpose. I do it because of gratitude and a desire to make, help make the world a better place with you as we move forward. There are some questions that we encounter that lead us into tail-chasing episodes. There are other questions that we encounter that get us bogged down in emotional responses and all sorts of other details. But the purpose of any question is to help us provide information so that we can see clearly about where we are going where and how we find clarity and direction to the answers that are given. So the third question that I share with you today is, so what? What does it matter? Marriage matters because it is the way that human society provides structure for families over time. But the way that happens shifts from culture to culture, and we are now dealing with that in our society. There are many kinds of marriage, 
and Christian marriage, that is, the unity of a couple by the power of the Trinity that we name Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, as we named in the baptism of James today, is but one option. There are many other options, and you have probably seen and maybe even experienced some of those. However, in the church, in the church, Jesus Christ is what we have to offer the world, our testimony to Jesus Christ, and that is important. What I give and what you give is important also at two levels. First, it is important for me and for you as individuals. By making an offering, by using the substance of our hands and minds, by using the things we have attained through our labor and through our effort, we allow our generosity to help shape the world in the church and in the world outside as well. And secondly, it giving, our giving is important because it empowers this church, this church, First Presbyterian Church, or whatever church you are a part of in whatever community you live. But in this place, it empowers First Presbyterian Church of Columbus, Georgia, to be a community of disciples for Jesus Christ, to bear witness to Jesus Christ here and through our mission partners around the world. Without your giving of your own, this witness will go away. When we ask questions, we seek clarity in our answers so that we do not chase our tails. In finding answers, we seek to uncover questions that will help shape our faith and our commitment to God. Where we are here in this time and where we are outside of these walls in all of our connections. What is important and how we answer those questions determines where we will place our hearts. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Let us dwell with our treasure and share it from the bounty of our hearts. Thanks be to God. Amen. It's been a privilege to join you this day in worship. We're glad that you were here. First Presbyterian Church seeks to serve and minister in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord be kind and gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with favor. Go in peace as you love and serve God.